time Eric hits the drums on that, boom, 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 I want to stomp my feet or something, you know? I love it. Well, would you pray with me as we get started here this morning? Heavenly Father, you are Jehovah Rapha, the God of healing. Please bring us healing. We pray that you'll heal us from our pain. You are the God of comfort, and we turn to you for comfort, the comfort of your Holy Spirit, that peace that transcends all understanding. Lord, give us courage as we talk about sharing pain to help others. Lord Jesus, please reveal yourself in this place today and in your word. We pray in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. It's always interesting when we get to one of these Sundays where, you know, the time changes and your body feels a little bit out of sorts. One time when I was pastoring in Michigan, um, I got up one morning and I was, I was all ready for church, man. I was, had all my prep done and we had this really cool Sunday school class going on and I wanted to get in for that. So I came into church and I was just full of energy and ready to go and I found out that it was a quarter after the hour and we were starting church in 15 minutes and I had missed an hour. <laughs> I'd come to church at the wrong time. Stuff like that happens, and it really messes with our heads when it does happen, too, because it seems like it takes a while to get back, back, uh, you know, you're out of sorts. I don't know if the expression is back into sorts, but <laughs> at any rate, to get ourselves back on track again. So I'm with you this morning. If you're feeling a little sleepy, we'll try to keep you awake. We uh, are in the last message of the series, Life's Healing Choices. We've been doing an eight-week study, and uh, because we live on a broken planet, a planet that is broken by sin, pain is part of our life. Uh, pain is inevitable and pain is universal. And following Jesus is not going to just magically take away all your pain. Jesus does not eliminate all the pain in your life. But he does transform it. And he gives meaning to it. He gives purpose to it. And he will help you find significance in it. But as long as you live here on this planet, you're going to have and experience some pain. And that's why the hope of heaven is such a wonderful hope. Uh, because we believe in heaven, just as we believe in God's kingdom fully coming to earth, that, that in these times, in this place with God, there is no sorrow, there is no suffering, there is no pain. There is no sickness, there's no sadness, there's no more tears and no more problems really of any kind. That's heaven. And that's the promise of the new heaven and the new earth that we're going to continue to talk about in Revelation. But we are still right now on the old earth in this old fallen world and therefore we are subject to pain. The Bible says that that you're going to have pain all your life, but it says some important things about pain. It says that regardless for the reason for your pain and regardless of the cause of your pain, God says that when we give our pain to him, he will use it for your benefit. And God says, I will use it for my purposes. And God says... I will use it to help other people. 
And that's where we're going to be at this morning. You know, God never, and we've said this lots of times, but God never wastes a hurt. God never wastes a pain that you have. If we'll give God all the pieces of our lives, he's going to transform those things that we have that are out of sorts. And he can bring good out of bad. In fact, God specializes in that. He'll give you peace of mind, and he will make you an agent of peace if you let him. He'll make you an agent of peace in the lives of other people. We've been looking at the Beatitudes, eight Beatitudes over eight weeks, and and I want to go back to Matthew 5.9 this morning, um, because Matthew 5.9 says, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called the children of God. Now, the first thing we think of when we think of peacemakers, um, we think of sort of getting in between two people who are going to have a fight. Or we, we think of trying to stop a war, you know, that kind of a thing. But, but we're not just talking about that kind of peacemaking. We're also talking about you being a peacemaker in other ways. You bringing peace into the lives of other people. And, and, you know, once you begin to experience um, change in your life, you start to experience recovery and restoration and even revival in your soul and renewal. When you start to experience those things and you, you begin to experience spiritual growth and you begin to experience the peace of God in your life, then God says, now I want you to pass that on to somebody else. And it's not something we hang on to. It's something we give away. And, and, and it's interesting that in the giving away, it becomes more prominent in our own lives. There's that beautiful paradox in it. And in fact, when you begin to, to give that peace of God away to other people, that's actually the proof of your recovery. That's the proof of your healing. That's the proof of your growth in Jesus Christ. Well, how do you know when you're really getting over that huge pain in your life, and I'm talking about your brother or your sister here, I'm talking about the things that have really hurt us in the past, how do you know you're really getting past those things, through past the betrayal or the rejection or the abuse or the loss? How do you know you're really getting over that? It's real simple. You begin to help other people in that exact area where you had pain and hurt. Because, well, because of the hurt you've been through, right? You've been through something, and you can help somebody else. You know, somebody who's been through abuse, they need really somebody who's been through abuse who understands to really help them on their journey down the path. Now, now here's another thing, and that is if, if we find ourselves in the place where we are not doing this, then we still have some traveling down the road of healing to do. So, something to think about. The Bible says this in 2 Corinthians 5.19. God was in Christ offering peace and forgiveness to the world, or to the people of this world, and he has given us the work of sharing his message about peace. Now, on your outline, you might want to circle that, that word sharing, because that's what we're talking about today. Uh, this is the sharing choice, and here's the sharing choice. The sharing choice is I choose to yield myself to God to be used to bring the good news to others, both by my example and by my words. 
You do know that you don't have to be perfect for God to use you, right? You do not have to be perfect. There's no such thing as a perfect person. All you got to do to help somebody else is be that one step ahead of where that other person is right now in their life. Um, you know, if we come across, if we try to come across as if we've got it all together, we've got it all figured out, as if we're perfect, if we try to come across like that, we are going to be a big discouragement to everybody around us. You hear that? We sometimes try to pretend that everything's just perfect, and it's not, and you're not, and I'm not. You're not perfect. And if we try to come across that way, people will not connect with you. And we will not minister Christ. One of the myths that I think people have is that God works through your strengths. Not usually. God works better through your weaknesses. You're less likely to rely upon yourself if you're working from that weakness. So we call this this morning the sharing choice. I choose to yield myself to God to be used to bring God's good news to other people, both by my example and by my words. Uh, I want you to think about the Apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians 1. Paul says that he was in a time in his life where he was so discouraged that he felt ready to kick the bucket. He was so discouraged that he says, I despaired of life itself. I was ready to give up on life. I was ready to crawl into a corner and die. This is probably the greatest Christian who ever lived, and he feels like this. And, and then he says this. He says, I pray that God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ will be kind to you and will bless you with peace. The Father is a merciful God who always gives comfort. He comforts us when we're in trouble so that, get this last part, so that we can share that same comfort with others in trouble. My greatest ministry is going to come out of my greatest pain. Your greatest ministry of your life is going to flow out of your greatest pain, not, not only out of your strengths and not only out of your talents, and God will use those too, but out of those painful experiences in your life. Who to better help somebody who's being abused or molested than somebody who's being abused and molested? This could be the breakthrough in your spiritual life. This could be the breakthrough in your spiritual life, beginning to let God take your brokenness and bless other people through it. So what can I do to help others? You know, how can I, what can I share about my pain to help other people? Well, I think the first thing you can share is that how pain got your attention. How pain got your attention. And the Good News Translation, Psalm 2030 says, sometimes it takes a painful situation to make us change our ways. We change when our pain exceeds our fear of change. John Maxwell used to always say, you know, you only change for one of two reasons. You change because you hurt so bad you have to change, or you change because you see something so desirable you want to change. 
But we really aren't people of change. We are people who like to stay the same. Why is it that sometimes things get so bad that before we finally change, we really get into a mess? You know, we, we wait until our marriage is good and truly broken before we seek some counseling. We wait until we've lost everything before we go and get financial help. It's human nature. And I have to say by human nature that it also means our sin nature a lot of the time. You know, it grows out of our sin nature. We think we can fix it ourselves. We are convinced that we can fix it. Or we may be at the other end of things and we might really think that it's beyond fixing. You know, that, oh, just give up on this situation because I can't fix it and it, and it can't be fixed. But we do change when we hurt so much that we have to change. And, you know, why is it that we sometimes have to be kind of laid out flat on our back before we look up at God, right? You know, it seems like we wait so long. And that's kind of a stupid way to live, isn't it? I mean, think about it. God's way for us would not be to prolong the pain. God's way for us would be from us, for us to begin to learn from the pain quickly. God uses pain a lot of different ways in our life, right? That, that doesn't mean that God brought that pain upon you, uh, you know, like some Greek god throwing thunderbolts down, you know, from heaven. You know, I think that's the implication or the idea that we have of God. But neither will God waste the pain that you're going through. God uses pain to correct us. You know, he'll say, don't do this, do that way. God uses pain to direct us. This is the path we should be following. God uses the pain to perfect us, to build character in our lives. But the number one way God uses pain in my life and your life is to get our attention. C.S. Lewis said, God whispers in our pleasures, speaks in our conscience, but shouts in our pain. Pain is God's megaphone. Pain is, is God saying sometimes, hello, are, are you listening? Are you hearing me? Pain is the alarm bells going off, right? Pain is the wake-up call. Pain is God's way of saying that something is out of whack. Danger, Will Robinson. You know, that's God talking to us a lot of the time. Did God cause the pain? Sometimes. We'll talk about that. But most often God is trying to say, you are in pain. Let me use this in your life. Let me help you in your life. We rarely change until we get desperate, right? We postpone difficult situations. We delay doing things that we need to do. We delay counseling until it's too late. We ignore a problem until it reaches the crisis stage. Think of the story of Elijah. I, I love the story of Elijah. It's a, it's a, there's so many things in his life that are, are so much, well, kind of fun to read. Um, you know, he's a man who followed God very closely, and when the whole world turned against him, God gave him a little refuge, kind of a little health spa. You know, he took him to a, a brook called Kareth, and and God told him to stay there for a while. God wanted him to heal up, and he told him again, you know, that just to go and stay and wait on me. And he went there, and it was beautiful, and it was comfortable, and God supplied all his needs. Even the birds brought him food. I mean, it was, it was really cool. 
Everything was really cool. And then there's this verse that says, and then the brook dried up. And then the brook dried up. Have you ever had a brook dry up in your life? I've had that happen plenty of times in my life. You know, a lost job, something that you were depending on is just all of a sudden gone. It's not there anymore. Maybe it was someone you depended on, and that person is gone. You know, and Elijah in this situation, he, he, man, he gets a little whiny and he says, God, don't you love me anymore? God says, I, of course I love you. I just don't want you to buy the brook anymore. As long as it was going, you were going to stay right here by the brook. I didn't create you to sit by the brook for the rest of your life. I have a bigger plan for your life. And so sometimes God dries up the brook in your life because he doesn't want you doing now what you did a year ago. Maybe he called you that, to that a year ago, but maybe now there's a change in store because he has another plan for you. Now the point is, when I bring all this stuff up, is that, is that when we all have this pain, we need to use that pain. God uses it to get our attention. When we talk about our pain with other people, you're going to have a willing ear because pain is universal. Particularly if you're talking about a pain that they're going through right at that moment. But for God to use that pain that has happened in your life for the good of other people and for his purposes and for your benefit, you have to be authentic. You have to be authentic. You have to be honest. You can't sugarcoat it. You can't fake it. You can't pretend about it. you got to be real and honest about what hurts in your life. Here's some things you need to be honest about if you're going to help other people. To help others, I really must be honest about a number of things. One of those things is my feelings. Guys, you are terrible at this. Uh, I know that right off the bat because I am one. Johnny Baker says there are only two feelings men are honest about when they're hungry and when they want sex. Now, if you're going to have impact in the lives of other people, you're going to have to learn to share a little beyond that, right? So feelings are one of those things. Another thing is my faults. This can be even a little bit harder, you know? I have to be humble about my faults. You know, Paul says, none of us is perfect. And at least that part is easy to admit. But being honest about our faults and being specific about them can really be helpful to someone else. Another one is my failures, you know? <laughs> I, I remember reading Walton's story about, about Stalin, starting Walmart and how many times he failed at business before he succeeded. And now Walmart's almost a universal shopping place. You have to be honest about your failures if you're going to have an impact. Paul says, Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am the worst. Later in that same passage, that's where Paul admits that that he as much as killed Stephen by standing by and giving his approval while they were stoning him. And he admits there to persecuting the church. And he's very frank about his faults and his failures. And God used those. Another thing we have to be honest about is our frustrations. 
be honest about your frustrations, those things in your life that you can't change, that you don't have control of, those help other people. Paul said, you know, I have the desire to do what is right, but I cannot carry it out. That's Paul's frustration speaking. That's gut-level honesty. And that helps to make a difference in people's lives. And the last thing here that I have on the list is, and we could go with a lot further, but my fears, sharing my fears. It's hard to share your fears, isn't it? It's hard to share your fears with another person, but you know, fear builds when you keep it secret. Sharing your fear lowers the amount of fear in your own life, and it helps other people. I need to be honest about my fears, and I need to be honest about my faults and my failures and my frustrations and my feelings. And I'm not talking about complaining all the time. I'm talking about being honest with somebody who's going through some of those same kinds of things. And when I am honest about those things, then I get healing, and other people get healing. We need to learn to share how pain got our attention. Well, what else can you share to help other people? Here's the second one. That is what I've learned in the process of what I've been through, my painful experiences. Others need to hear that. It's going to help them find some meaning about what they're going through. What are the lessons I've learned that I can pass on? You know, they say it's wise to learn from experience, right? Well, it's wiser to learn from the experience of others. <laughs> because, one, you don't have to go through them. But because you don't have time to make all the mistakes in life that you could make in order to have growth. If I have to learn everything by my personal experience firsthand, I'm going to die before I learn it all. That's just the truth. It is far less painful, it is far quicker if you can learn from the experiences of other people. And that's why you need to read the Bible, for example. I mean, the Bible, it doesn't just tell you the good stuff. It talks about the painful experiences, too, so that we can learn from them. That's why you need a mentor in your life, uh, no matter how old you are. Somebody who can speak into your life. That's why you need spiritual partners in life. It's why you need a spiritual small group in your life, because we learn from each other. What are the lessons that God wants us to learn from our pain? I can tell you that I've learned some things from my pain, from the painful things that I've been through. And one thing I've learned, though I'm, I'm usually learning it the hard way, is to depend on God. I learned to depend on God. As we've been through this eight weeks, um, I hope that a lot of us have decided that there are, there are things in our lives that we're ready to get rid of. There are things in our lives that we are ready to change, some habits, some hang-ups, and, and especially some of those hurts that, that maybe have been steering our lives and not always in a positive direction. Maybe you're ready to begin recovery from your hurts. And hopefully, we are ready to turn to God and depend on God only. As we do that, we begin to see the God of comfort. When you learn to depend on God and his love, you can then share that with others because you have experienced it, and therefore it's authentic. Also, I learned to follow God's word more closely. 
God wants to teach us all about himself. He wants to teach us about his power and his love and his grace and his wisdom, and he does that through his word, the Bible. And this is a tough one because, again, just like with prayer, we often kind of wait until we're in trouble before we start getting back into the word and get serious about it, right? When we're in crisis, and we don't fill our minds with scripture until it's almost too late, till we get to that, that place of almost no return, at least in our minds we think that. But the Bible is full of loving warnings. One time when I was a little kid, my grandmother, uh, my mom was working for, she's working for IBM at that point, uh, you know, as a ticket punch or a card punch operator, uh, programmer, and um, my grandmother used to watch us a lot, and one time my grandmother was ironing in the living room, and I got curious about the iron, and of course she was a good grandmother, and she said, don't touch it, that's hot, but I was curious to find out for myself, so I touched. That was a really bad idea. I got a really bad burn on my hand. And if I had heeded my grandmother's warning, I wouldn't have got burned. The Bible says, here are some things that you can learn from. And you know, when God gives us warnings and rules and tells us things about how we should live, it's, it's not because he wants to deprive us of something, it's because he loves us and he wants us to have a fulfilled life and he doesn't want us to get burned. Third thing that I've learned from some of these times, and, and that is I learned that I need other people. I learned that I need other people. I need other people in my life. You need other people in your life. This is one of the reasons I, I see as part of the future of this church that we need to invest so much more time into small groups. And this is been part of my vision from the beginning for this church, but when I got here, there had been some, some hurt from small groups in the past, and so it was kind of a back off, right? But that was the past. Small groups are the future. They're a big part of it. We've got a couple of groups right now. Uh, we've had some, but, but I could easily picture, you know, us being half a dozen in the not-too-distant future, and maybe more than that, because we need people, especially when we're in pain and in crisis. And we're not going to get the support that we need just here on a Sunday morning. Sunday morning has limits. It's wonderful to see each other and to love each other and to support each other. But it's only going to take us so far. We need to be very intentional about community on that level. We need to, you know, because you're not going to get all the learning you need on a Sunday morning. It just isn't going to happen. I think of small groups as, as community building blocks. We build community on the smaller level so that we can build community on the bigger level. It, it overflows into the church. And that's part of discipleship, isn't it? 1 Corinthians 11.11 basically says that in God's plan, men and women need each other. <laughs> now, that's not talking about marriage relationships. It's talking about the, the need in terms of the way that God put us together, right? I mean... We are only the body of Christ together. You're not the body of Christ by yourself. Together, we begin to see a bigger picture of who God is. Okay, one more thing here. The third thing that, that I think you need to share, how God can bring good out of bad. 
Actually, there's one more after this, but... All of us have examples of this in our lives, don't we? Like, if we look back, it's one of the reasons why, why God said to Moses, write this down. <laughs> it's one of the reasons why we have all those recordings in the Old Testament. You know, God says over and over, he says, remember, remember. Remember how I came to your life and did this. Remember how I helped you in the desert. Remember how I provided streams of water. Remember how I provided the manna from heaven. You know, God says it over and over again. Think about those times in, in your life when God has brought good out of something bad. One of the great promises of the scripture is in Romans 8, 28, where he says, we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God. One of the Bible's most beautiful verses and one of the most quoted out of context. Notice it doesn't say that we know that everything's going to work out. It doesn't say that everything's going to work out the way that I want it to work out. That just isn't true. And it doesn't promise that, that everything in life is going to have a happy ending. Because we know that's not true, right? This is not heaven. We're not there yet. What it does promise is that we can be certain that God won't waste your pain. And, and won't waste your crisis and won't waste your loss, or your trials, or your failures. We make mistakes, and bad things happen to us. But God will use those bad things for something good. And so, it says that God will do that. This is important for those who love him. Now, that's referring to believers in this context. If you're not following Christ... If you don't love God, if you haven't given him all of your life, then all things are not working together for good in your life. In fact, they could be working together for bad. We need to give Christ our lives. We need to come to God. We need to be filled with God. We need to give him every little bit so he can put all the pieces back together. Can God really bring good out of bad? Well, yes, he can. Remember a little thing called the crucifixion? The death of the Son of God, that was a bad thing. His torture, they spit on him, they beat him, they hung him up on a cross as this shameless criminal, and, and that was all bad stuff. Did God bring any good out of that? Just the salvation of the whole world. God specializes in bringing good out of bad. It's the grace of God that gets my attention through pain. It's the grace of God that helps me to learn things through pain. And it's the grace of God that brings good out of bad. One other thing you should know here this morning, and this really is the one other thing. How Jesus gives me hope to change. This is something we need to share with other people. People around you are hungry for hope. I guarantee you that this week when you go out and, and you go and meet people in the grocery store or standing in your driveway when you're getting your mail at the mailbox or at the, at the post office or in some other store or at your work, everybody you see this week, everybody has at least one hidden hurt. Everybody. Everybody you see this week has a hidden pain. 
And everybody, absolutely everybody that you meet needs massive doses of hope. We all need hope. All of us. Even those in the really good times. We need hope to keep going, right? When you share hope, you have a willing audience. Because that's something we all need. So many people feel hopeless today. The best hope that helps us is the hope from somebody else who says, I've been there and I've done that. And I survived. And God is leading me through it. By his mercy, I'm moving forward. God wants you to be kind of a hope dispenser. You know? He wants you to promote hope wherever you go. Here's our last verse. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. We think of sharing Jesus as something really hard, but it's not quite as hard. You know, this, this week I had the opportunity to share how my life was changed through Jesus with a young man. And, and uh, you know, I, after I was done, I, I had to remember and I had to pray because the Holy Spirit does the rest. We can't force a change in somebody's life. And, and he was a, a young man who was struggling with addiction, and I shared with him how this year I'm celebrating 40 years free from drug use. Not through my own efforts, but through Jesus. You know, some of you might wonder why I've been so passionate about the Life Healing Changes course that we did and, and about Celebrate Recovery that we're just about to launch. There are so many other things we could be focused on. But why am I passionate about this? It's because 41 years ago in my life, my life was a complete wreck. It was a mess. I was full of doubt and questions. I was kind of a big bag of hurt. <laughs> and, you know, at that time, all kinds of things were happening. My family was falling apart. Uh, somebody had tried to murder my father, and there was all of the repercussions that went with that, all of the trauma that went with that. We lost our home when our business failed. All that happened within a year, like a year period. And, and I kept thinking, I, I don't know, I had no idea what the future had. And my way of dealing with it was to experiment with drugs. You know, I had this big empty hole in here and I kept trying to fill it. And it wasn't working. Twice I overdosed on PCP and I could have died. I, I felt so empty and so lost. And then I met a couple of people who were not afraid to give me an answer for the hope that they had. And they told me their life journey. You know, bunch of you have been to see the Jesus Revolution, and they were very highly influenced by that movement, and uh, so I'm kind of second generation to that. I, that ended in 72, and I came to Christ in 82. They shared their journey with Jesus, and I found hope. 41 years ago on April 13th, sometime in the evening, I knelt down at their couch, and I prayed to receive Jesus, and I asked Jesus to save me, to come into my life and to forgive my sin. And I found hope for living. So you see, Celebrate Recovery is pretty personal to me, right? 
I'm starting Celebrate Recovery here at this church, not, not because we need another program, but if you look outside the window, you'll see that, that our community even is struggling with, with opiate addiction, with drug problems, and not just addiction, but trauma in general. There are so many people hurting. And I want to practice what I preach, you know? Like others in this community, I want God to use my pain and my painful experiences to help other people. And the side benefit of that, of course, is that I get more healing myself the more I share my story and the more I pour myself out in this way. I'm asking you if you would pray along with me as we, as we launch this ministry. It's not going to be this Wednesday, but the following Wednesday is when we have our official kickoff. And, and maybe you want to join in on this journey. You can join as a leader or as a helper, come and do snacks once a month, whatever. Maybe God wants to use your pain too in that way. Or maybe in some other way that he calls you to. When you start sharing your pain and what God's doing in your life as a result, then you know for sure you're in recovery. Then you know for sure that you're growing in Christ. When you start sharing your pain, I guarantee you that you will grow in Christ and you will see effective result in this area of healing. As we close, I, I want to ask you some personal questions. First, has God been trying to get your attention through pain? Are you learning anything from your mistakes? Are you learning to depend on God? Are you learning to obey his word? Are you learning that you need other people in your life? And here's a hard one. Will you trust God to bring good out of the bad things that are going on in your life? Will you trust him to do that? Are you saying, I want it my way? Or are you saying, God, I want it your way? Are you trusting in your own power? Or are you trusting in God's power to make the changes that you want to see happen? This is the big one, the sharing choice we've been talking about. Will you allow God to use your mistakes to help other people this week? Let's pray this prayer together. In your mind, say, God, thank you for loving me enough to get my attention. I ask you to bring good out of the bad in my life. Help me to learn the lessons that I need to learn, Lord. <laughs> I want to learn to be totally dependent on you. I want to learn to follow your word. I want to learn to become all that you made me to be. I want you to use me to help others. Please give me hope when I feel hopeless. Give me the power I need to change. <laughs> I can't do it on my own. Lord, I am willing to follow in your steps from this moment on. I ask you to help me to be more honest than I've ever been with you and with myself and with other people. 
honest about my faults and my fears and my frustrations and my feelings and my failures. Lord, help me to be honest about all that stuff. And I ask you to encourage me. Help me to keep going. And use me to encourage other people. And I thank you that you'll always be with me no matter where I go. If you've never opened up your life to Christ Jesus, say, Jesus Christ, come into my life right now. Take over every area of my mind and heart. I want to follow you and trust you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.